Hey everybody and happy new years to all of you. This is the second season, episode one of the Abbey Normal Podcast and I am your host Colin Bourne. And I'm Aaliyah. How's it going? How y'all feeling? I know, I almost wanted to start it off by saying, and we're back. But it didn't work out like that. You yeah. could probably do that in the second episode. Maybe. Yeah. But yes. So this is our first, this is our first episode of the new year and I thought it would be fun. If we made this our second season of episodes, and this will go on from January 1st of 2021 till December of 2021. Yeah, because how many many episodes did we do on the first season? 32? Yeah, so last year we managed to get about 32 episodes posted and uploaded onto our podcast show. A lot of people really seem to like them, so I'm really glad for that. I know, not only here in America, but other continents as well. Only a few, but yeah. yeah. And I'm hoping that going forward in 2021, it'll not only be a better year for all of us, but it will be a better year for this podcast. And, you yes. know, hopefully our show will get, you know, broadcast more and more people will like it. 2021, the year of the podcast. That's the what year I'm... of the podcast. <laughs> the year of the Abbey Normal podcast. This is so, our year. This is our time. <laughs> yes, we have high hopes. So <laughs> I thought it would be fun if we talked about a certain type of movie format that doesn't get talked about a lot wait a minute are what? you pondering what i'm pondering what you were supposed to say yes of course colin it's horror anthologies oh i thought we were we weren't doing shit like that but okay hmm. but yeah we're going to talk about anthologies <laughs> more specifically horror anthologies and why they're starting to become more popular in today's movies and films well they've been popular for years but now they're starting to come out more and more and being recognized more yes i personally love the idea of anthologies and i just want to pull like a quote from when i was doing my research i found this really interesting (laughs) quote from paste magazine and they had a whole article of the 25 best horror anthology movies of all time but the way they describe the concept of anthologies is this quote Horror stories, often simplistic and straightforward by nature, can function well as bite-sized morsels of fright. Anthologies, therefore, make room within the genre for tales that could have that could never have supported feature-length films, although particularly successful anthology segments may very well receive that treatment. End quote. I look at ant- horror anthology stories. I can look, I look at them in different ways. I look at them as epic little stories, you know, put in into little bits of pieces. Mm-hmm. And also I look at them as, you know, kind of like fairy tales to tell your children going to bed, but don't tell them these stories. It's interesting. And I guess another good way to describe it too is like campfire story sessions. Exactly. If if anybody's ever been camping as a kid and you all sit around a campfire and talk like tell your own horror stories they're short stories that pack a lot of fright into them or you were one of those kids growing up in the 90s watching are you afraid of the dark yes and they used to do stuff like that around the campfire to tell stories goosebumps is another type of anthology series that which both of those are my favorite yeah had different types of horror stories packed into one series or compilation of stories, which Thank, is what anthologies yeah. technically are. Exactly. So, with that being said, can I get into my notes, Colin? Yes, you okay. can. So, what are anthologies? Hmm, that's An- a good question. Anthologies are a published collection of pieces of writing, writings, poems, songs, etc., by different or one author. Mm-hmm. 
And why are they important? Because people can enjoy and learn from short stories. Specifically, like, if you're listening to a compilation of various artists, writers, novelists, etc., they have a lot of different styles of writing and creativity. Mm-hmm. So, like, Stephen King, for example. I mean, he's got a very specific type of writing, but if you compare him to, like, other horror novelists of, of his time... They're different writing styles. Mm-hmm. You know, same thing with, like, compilations of, like, musicians. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, they're different writing styles. So how did this all start? How did anthologies first make wave? Not wave in our time, but just in general in history. So one of the earliest known anthologies was The Garland by Maliger. I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right. Name. Maliger of Gallagros of... Kradara, God, no. your writing's horrible. Kradara. 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 Yes. God, you're. Mm. So that was the earliest known written collection of anthology short stories. Okay. So in the 20th century, anthologies became an important part of poetry publishing for a number of reasons. For yeah. English poetry, the Georgian poetry series was transcending. So we kind of had an earlier form of anthology writing in that time. So how did anthologies cross from writing passages to film? So an anthology film is a subgenre of films consisting of several different short stories. Oftentimes these short stories are connected by a theme. So when you watch any sort of anthology movie, whether it be horror, drama, etc., they always are tied by a specific theme. In one instance, I'm mean, just using this as an example, but Trick or Treat. Yes. The theme for that is the, the rules of Halloween and why you shouldn't break them. Exactly. And each story shows the consequences that each character endures when they break a rule of Halloween. You know, I think that's kind of like the same kind of motive for storyline behind anthologies, too. There's always a uh, consequence where someone does something that it needs to be punished. Yeah. You know, there's always that revenge or that someone who done something wrong and then for some reason either the dead or something comes back to get revenge on them. Mm-hmm. So there is that karma base involved with anthologies. Based on my notes, an anthology film, also known as a omnibus film, package film. I like package film. You know, like it's like it's a subgenre of films consisting of several different short stories. Sometimes there is a theme, like we mentioned, such as a place, a person, or a thing that is present in each story and serves to bind them together. Mm-hmm. So, two of the earliest films to use this form were Edmund Golding's Grand Hotel in 1932, released by MGM. And Paramount's If I Had a Million, also released in 1932, featuring segments helmed by a number of directors. Alright, so let's get into our list of horror anthologies. So these are just, like, we're going to go through some of the more well-known ones in, like, in a timeline. Okay? Alright, so the first recorded horror anthology released is a European movie that loosely translates to Uncanny Stories, directed by Richard Oswald, released in 1919, and had about, I think, five segments. I don't think we've ever really seen that one, right? We've never seen it. Anyway, next one. Anyway, there will be a few other movies that will be released. Uh, So we have Waxworks, The Devil's Messenger... And then Tales of Terror, which I think 
is a more weller known one mm-hmm. right it was yes, released it in 1962 directed by roger corman stars vincent price peter lore basil rathbone and deborah Paget. Yeah, which by the way roger corman is a genius director yeah who's done tons of films so i'm not surprised that he did this film as well what other movies did he do he did um oh what is it uh death race in okay. 1975 with uh, uh, John Carradine and uh, John Carradine and uh, Sylvester Stallone. Okay. He's done tons of films. I'm trying to remember off the top of my head what he's done, but he's done so much that this man deserves so much so so many awards for what he's done. Yeah. I mean before Tales of Terror in 1945 there was a, another anthology that would kind of help kickstart the horror anthology subgenre, and that was Dead of Night, again released in 1945. It had one, two, three, four directors. So Basil Dearden, Alberto Cavalcanti, Robert Hammer, and Charles Crichton. And it consists of four short stories. Mm-hmm. And it helped, like I said, it helped popularize the format of horror anthology films. And then we would go on in time to have Dr. Terror's House of Horrors, directed by Freddie Francis in 1965. Freddie Francis, we mentioned this before, but he did like a lot of horror movies mm-hmm. in his time. Well, he's the one that he's does a, uh, Tales from the Crypt, right? Yeah, he would yeah. go on to do like Tales of the Crypt Torture Garden, which is another horror anthology. He also did Tales That Witness Madness. That was released in 1973. And it, again, had a pretty big cast. It starred Joan Collins, Kim Novak, Jack Hawkins, Donald Pleasance. Yeah, the man from uh, Mm -hmm. Halloween. Yeah, but during around Freddie Francis's time, there would be another horror director named Roy Ward Baker who would also come up with some pretty well-known anthologies, too. Like Asylum, that was released in 1972. He also directed The Vault of Horror, which was released in 1973. He also did The Monster Club, released in 1981. Yep. So we're getting into the 80s now. Vincent Price, yes. Yep. And then a year after that, we had Creepshow, which... which Very popular. Directed by George A. Romero. And it's like... I mean, everybody knows Creep Show by now, but it's like a lot of short stories pulled from one of Stephen King's collections of short stories, mm-hmm. and they're pretty weller known stories now because of this movie. And also, and also, Stephen King had some help from another director, George A. Romero. I just mentioned him. I said directed by George A. Romero and Stephen King. <laughs> he helped. Shut up. But it, this this movie sparked two sequels and a Shutter original TV which, series, which is really good. And we actually just watched a brand new yes. episode yesterday. We watched the Christmas special. Yeah, it's called the uh, Shapeshifters Anom- uh, um, an- Anonymous. Yeah, yeah Shapeshifters, Shapeshifters Anonymous. Anonymous. Yep, it's a really good one. Check it out. I, I liked, liked it. Did you really like it? Yeah. Okay, because I, I thought- kind of like the. The thing about this episode, and I'm not going to give anything away in yeah. terms of plots or anything. But, but what did you like? The practical effects. Which I've always liked, especially in movies, the older ones, the practical mm-hmm. effects. I feel like that's what it's And I liked the big definitely twist. Definitely not in anymore. I liked the big twist at the end. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm not going to give away any plot points, but there's a character in this show that they briefly mentioned throughout the episode... Mm-hmm. But he doesn't give away his true identity towards the end. Yeah. 
which is pretty important in the the whole tale behind shapeshifters and Santa Claus and yeah. whole nine yards. But it's just good so job, fucking, Ryan. So fucking cool. Yeah, and I loved it. Well, so, that's what the character's name was in the beginning of the film, named Ryan. Yeah. Yeah. So then, after Creep Show in <sighs> 1983, came the Twilight Zone movie, directed by. I thought John- that came out in 1985. Nope, 1983. Oh. Directed by John Landis, Steven Spielberg, Joe Dante, and George Miller, and it has. Four segments. But that's also a well-known anthology collection. Mm-hmm. And then we have Cat's Eye from 1985. Uh, Dead Time Stories, which I think you mentioned to me before, right? Yeah, before the, we got the, the fairy tale. Um, yeah, Freaky Fairy Tales, the yeah. Gribbles from Dead Time Stories. I don't know what that is, but anyway. Then we had Creepshow 2, After Midnight by Jen and... Ken and Jim Wheat, Grim Prairie Tales, which are four Western stories, which I don't get why this is on the list, but it's got Brad Dourif starring in it, who did the voice of Chucky from the Child's Play series. Yeah. So I, I guess it's kind of cool. Then Tales from the Dark Side, the movie, directed by John Harrison, who was released in 1990. You remember? Did you ever watch that, Colin? I know you've mentioned Tales, Tales from the Dark Side, the movie. I have it on VHS. Oh, you do? Yeah, I have it on the VHS. Oh. I was about to say, well, you, you want to watch it later, I can hook up the VCR. Nah, I'm good. <laughs> oh my god, forgot. Young people. And then, do you want to talk about 1995's Tales from the Hood? Since you're the only one out of the two of us that's watched it. What did you like about it? That movie's fucked. It, it yeah. really is. <laughs> like, it's fucked, but it's like the urban tales. Like, you've it mixed horror with everyday life of, like, urban, uh, urban society and, like, the neighborhoods. And just what the 90s were like. So you like the concept. I like the, the concept whole... that okay. they can mix the two. The yeah. Reality and also... Um, um, horror. Horror. I was going to say fiction. Like, you know, nonfiction. But well, yes. because, like I said, anthologies often carry a theme. Yeah. Or be... something that connects all the stories and together. There was something about Tales of Horror that was very real in the in the story of it especially where um mm-hmm. some of these people in this movie were actually comedians and some of them were actually people from other um um horror films mm-hmm. um the guy who's who's helped start in it was david allen greer he was a comedian but in this movie he played a very abusive father mm. who was just very stern and just the way he looked he you you would be frightened it was just like taking something from real life yeah. And and also Clarence Williams the third, who's in tons of movies. This man was in Purple Rain, Hoodium, Decover. I was trying to remember what horror movie he was in, but no, well, that doesn't matter. The point is, is that <laughs> he played a really good valid valid character in this film, like a realistic, a very type of character, frightening character. He played a priest, I think. Ooh. Yeah. I think. Okay. I mean, if I'm wrong, people. He played. He played a character named Mr. Sims. Okay. And oh I th- God. <laughs> Mr. Sims, and I think his character. He actually changed into something. He scared the hell out of these hood, and these hoodlums in the movie, and he morphed into something else, and he killed them. Oh shit. So yeah. So if you ever get a chance, watch this movie. It's a it's a great film, and I recommend it a whole nine yards. And ironically enough, on this list, the movie that would come after Tales from the Hood would be 1997's Campfire Tales. Because like I mentioned earlier, horror anthologies kind of originated from campfire stories. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I like that, you know, someone 
And that's someone being Matt Cooper, Martin Cunnert, and David Semmel came up with this concept of why don't we make a movie based on a collection of campfire stories and just make a horror movie based off of that idea. Because that's originally, like I said, what horror anthologies kind of are. They're campfire stories, you know. To, meant, meant to scare people in one way or another. And you're, and with campfire stories, it had actually some famous people in it too before they mm-hmm. got, before they got big. Yeah. You had um, James Marston who played Cyclops in the X Men series, mm-hmm. and uh, Amy Smart who's from such big films as uh, um, uh, Best Friends or Best uh, with Ryan Reynolds. Oh no 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 um. Uh, just friends. Just friends. I love that fucking. Movie. And she was in the butterfly effect. Yeah. 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 But yeah, that that was a really good one. And then <laughs> just friends. After like, I guess after a few years, and then transitioning into the two thousands, we would get Creep Show three. Um, mm-hmm. We'd also get a movie called Three Extremes, directed by Fruit Chan, Park Chan Wolk, and Takashi Mike. Who, and this is more of like a. An Asian horror movie. Yeah, and you know what? And some of the best horror movies have come out of, you know, Asian horror films. Yeah, and like they The have Grunge some, yeah, and The and Ring. Have, yeah, but I think the um, the Ring, they called it Ringo. Yeah, yeah. probably. Ringo 1 and 2, because I remember I've mm-hmm. uh, seen them on Shudder, and that's what the names were yeah. called. And then in 2009, we get my all-time favorite anthology, which is Trick or Treat, directed um, by Michael Dougherty. What? 2009? Yeah, 2009. Sorry. No, it's 2007. No, 2009. It's 2007. Look it up. You know what? I'm going to look you up. Mm. Yeah, look it up. I'll wait. Okay. Well, you just want to let you know, baby, that came out... Wait, no. <laughs> How does it look? came out in 2007. How is that possible? Hold on. Wait, what does it say in the release thing? It's a 2007 film, honey. It yeah, because it was made in 2007, but released... In the United States, released in yeah. October six, two thousand nine. It was came out, but Namathon at a at a film festival in yes. two thousand seven. Because that's how most independent movies work. So it originally, even though it came out officially in theaters two thousand nine, it originally was released before that. Its first showing was at a film festival. Oh my so god! So it's older than two thousand nine, hun. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, here's why I like Trick or Treat. So, I love the concept already of holiday horror movies. We've already seen a few, like Mm -hmm. Trick or Treat, Krampus, Silent Night, Deadly Night, and all all the other, like, Halloween or holiday-themed horror movies. Yeah, you even have Blood Rage, which is a Thanksgiving horror film. Yeah, but I like Trick or Treat because it, like, I mean... Halloween is my holiday yes. already. Yes. And I like the idea of all these short stories that are sort of tied together. Like you got the the killer principal who poisons the kid. You got the werewolf girls who lure boys to their deaths. It's like the the kids who, you know, play, play a mean prank and then get their comeuppets at the end. Like I like shit like that. And it's all tied together by this little masked creature that is supposedly like the guardian or the spirit of Samhain, which is Halloween. Mm-hmm. So I like it. I love it. It's my favorite anthology horror movie. And I think the writing is just so good. And it's got a big cast too. Like Brian Cox, he's a really well-known uh, English actor. Yeah. English-Irish actor. Well, yeah, he's a he's an Irish actor. 
Irish actor. Yeah, he was in um, he was in Braveheart, and he was also in Super Troopers. He was also in the movie Red with Bruce Willis yeah, and Morgan Freeman. Yeah, I know, I know Red. I love him in Red. Yeah. He's so funny. But I love Brian Cox. And I love, um, like I said, it's got a big cast. Which a lot of these anthology movies do. And it's interesting how they can pull like these big name actors into these smaller roles. But I also like, too, how... I think they're intrigued by the story. I think that's why yeah. they do it because a lot of these anthology stories are quite are quite amazing. Yeah, you know. And with Trick or Treat, not only are they all connected by this um, Sam character that we see throughout the movie, but in some way or another, the other characters cross over into these other tales, like um, Sam Wilkins. Is it Sam Wilkins or no? Yeah, the neighbor, na- the neighbor with the glasses who has a son. Yeah, what's yeah, his, his name? name is Sam Wilkins. Yeah. Yeah, Sam Wilkins, what are you doing over there? So, yeah, he he attacks Lori, who's the werewolf chick who Anna Paquin plays. Yeah, and then she drags him to their get together and kills and eats him. You want to? I some, love that. You want to know something interesting? Fucking love that. Shit. You want to? You want to know something interesting? Fine. The man who made this movie, Michael Doherty. Yeah. Well, he made this character, Sam, back in college in the 90s, and he made mm-hmm. a little cartoon short of it. Turns out, this is the man that wrote um, the X-Men 2 movie. Oh, God. He wrote the story, and he knew the girl in the movie who played... Anne Paquin. Yeah, She Anne played Paquin. Rogue, right? Yeah, in, in the X-Men series. So, it kind of made sense for her to be in Trick or Treat. That's probably how he kind of, like, cast her into this role. Exactly. And she played it pretty well, yeah. I will say. Mm-hmm. And I liked it. I like the effects. I love the visuals. The soundtrack is also pretty good for it, too. And like I said, it's got a pretty interesting cast. And thanks to this movie, it really helped the career of Michael Doherty, too, to make some other great movies. It makes other movies as he directed, like uh, Krampus. Ooh, he, he made, made Krampus? Yeah, you didn't <gasps> know that? I love Krampus. Yeah, he's Wait, the one that created saying. them. Yeah, and he's the one that created that movie. And also, he created... Uh, um, the newer Godzilla movie. Oh, see, I haven't King of the Monsters. One. And he's directing Godzilla vs. King Kong. Oh, I've heard of that one, but I haven't... But he yeah. but he did say once Godzilla was going to be over, which I don't know if he still is thinking about this, he said, mm-hmm. but once that movie's over, he's thinking about making a trick-or-treat re- um, um, sequel. See, now, I would like that. I would like to see how a trick-or-treat sequel not only goes but i want to see more creative writing styles in the way that he wrote this yeah you know well that's why he's taking his time and if anything you have to take your time writing something that was so good as original and that's another thing too and not to get off topic with the anthology subject but that's something i heard about the black christmas 2019 Mm -hmm. sequel or remake yeah they had a short amount of time to write the script for this movie and that's why it kind of didn't do so well. <laughs> At least in audience opinions and every critic who has reviewed that movie. So practically says. everyone. Pretty much. But moving on to our list. So <laughs> after Trick or Treat in 2011 came Grave Tales, directed by Don Fierney. Uh, let's see. We have The ABCs of Death, which was directed under four different dir- or no, three different directors. Released in 2012. I think they got a sequel, too. Yes, the ABCs of Death 2 and then the ABCs of Death 2.5. Yeah, two and a half, yeah. And then VHS came out in 2012 also. That's fucking creepy. That had a number of writer and directors under its belt. And 
Let's see. A Christmas horror story, which had four segments, directed by Grant Harvey, Stephen Hoban, and Brett Sullivan. It was released in, released in 2015. I haven't seen it, but I want to give it a try. Yeah, we'll watch it. Yeah. Volumes of Blood was released in 2015 also. Ha- again, had multiple directors under its belt. Southbound, which was released in 2015 as well. 2015 is like the year of anthologies for this segment, I feel like. And then as we get a little bit closer to like 2019 and the 2020s, uh, there's a few movies listed that are have been released or haven't been released yet. But An Hour to Kill, which is directed by Aaron K. Carter, was released in 2018. Then we have Ghost Stories, which will be released. I, if it hasn't been released yet, it has been released in t- 2020. And then, yeah, this, I think there's a couple I want to talk about that aren't on this list. But we watched one recently called mm-hmm. A Mortuary Collection. It's really it's a Shutter original. So if you guys don't have Shutter, you should give it a try. It's like how many a month? For Shutter, uh, it was about five ninety nine. I pay for. Yeah, and they usually do like a thirty day free trial. So if you do yeah. the thirty day free trial, check out Mortuary Collection because it's really good. And Let sh- me see. Shutter's pretty good. Right. You get a lot of mixtures of different movies and specials and stuff from like old and new stuff. Yeah, it stars Clancy Brown, Caitlin Custer, mm-hmm. and it's got like a plethora of different like minor actors playing yeah. all these various roles. And it, it, I like the writing, and I like the concept. And whoever the lighting director is for that movie is a fucking genius, because I love the visuals. And the lighting is just, it really sets the mood for each story. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's just such a good concept. Just to kind of give you a bit of, like, a rundown of what this is. So, it's about this funeral home, and this girl shows up, and she's trying to get a job, and the mortician, who's... Clancy Brown plays is telling her like this is a funeral home yes but it also holds the story of how everybody who has come through this funeral home and how they died and why they died and they you know he shares a few stories with her and they're all really good you know I love the writing and some of them are so bizarre that it makes you like ponder for a bit like what the fuck did I just watch but in a good way you know what I mean yeah yeah, and in, in one way or another, they all have some sort of lesson or message to them. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I like that one. And then another one we had watched together, but not that recently. It was the Holidays movie, the anthology one. I'm trying to remember. It's on Netflix. Oh, Holidays. That's yeah. what it's called. Yeah. Yeah, and that's fucking weird, too. Yeah, that has a lot of different... I think the one that creeped me out the most is the fucking... Actually, two of them. The Mother's Day one. Mother's Day was weird. And St. Patrick's. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no. Wasn't it St. Patrick's? No, no, no. They're two different ones. There's one that the Mother's Day one, they were, um, no, St. Patrick's is the one where the woman has the child and the child is a snake. Okay. Then, yeah, that is a different one. Yeah. And then the Mother's Day one is basically a cult, kind of like people are hiding this woman away from. Oh yeah, yeah. Because she kept pregnancy uh, stories had something to do with that movie. You ever notice that? Yeah, Yeah. but yeah, this one too had a plethora of different directors, and I'm just gonna try to go through them. I have them written down here. This was released in 2016 and was directed by Kevin Smith, Scott Stewart, Gary Mm -hmm. Shore, Kevin Kolsch, Nicholas McCarthy, 
Dennis Widmeyer, Sarah Adina Adina Smith, Adam Egypt Mortimer, Anthony Scott Burns, Matthew Johnson, and Ellen Reed. Oh yeah, there's a lot this of directors a lot for that of, movie. Yeah, a lot of fucking directors. My, but I will say my favorite one in that story is the Kevin Smith one, the Christmas one. Which he is wrote called, the Christmas one. Yeah, he's the one. His daughter's in it. She's the one of the hookers. Was it the Christmas one? No. No, it is the Christmas one. No, honey. It's the Christmas one because I remember because I saw the film and it said directed by Kevin Smith. No, the Christmas one had uh, Seth Green in it. Remember he? Oh no! He bought the toy oh, for his the kid. Oh, that's the Halloween one. Yeah, the Halloween one. Yeah, okay. I think was directed by Kevin Smith, oh. but that was a weird one too. If you ever watch this movie, well, Kevin Smith's daughter is in the movie for sure. Yeah, I mean, if you ever watch this movie, just keep in mind that because it's got a lot of directors and writers and each different story. Obviously, the writing styles and the, the storytelling concepts are very bizarre and very strange. Very much. But you might you might like some of them. You might not. I'm not going to, like, ruin it for you guys, but it's just so bizarre. It's really, it really is. But, yeah, you're right. Um, Kevin Smith directed and wrote the Halloween one. Yeah. And it does star his daughter, Harley Quinn Smith. There's the Christmas one with Seth Green. I think I like the Christmas one a lot better. The Christmas one is really good. And actually, the other one I really like, too, because I thought it was really action-packed, was the New Year's Eve one. What was the New Year's Eve one about? The guy who's a killer who keeps going after finding a date and then trying to kill her after they... But it turns out this was backwards because when he tried to get with the one girl, the one girl's a killer. Well, don't ruin it for people. I'm sorry. Spoil alert, everyone. But, but, the, yeah. but Holidays was my favorite one. I mean, the, the, a lot of the beginning ones in the beginning of the movie were kind of, like, really off-putting to me. I know. But I think the last two ones, the um, the Halloween and Christmas the one. The Christmas and the New Year's Eve one Chris, were pretty good. Christmas, Halloween, and, and New Year's were great to me. Mm-hmm. But the other ones, ugh, I, couldn't, I couldn't get into them. I yeah. yeah. Valentine's How- was creepy, too. Valentine's was strange. Yeah. I mean... I didn't like the the girl having the crush on the teacher kind of thing. Yeah, she beat the shit out of the one girl, the bully. That, that part I didn't mind. Yeah, it was kind of a good I'm, revenge. You know? I'm I'm totally against bullying people, and I yeah. don't like... I don't like bullying either, because I yeah. remember being bullied. I remember people I knew being bullied. And I like watching a, a story or a movie where the bully gets their just desserts at the end. Yeah. I like that whole concept. I didn't like the girl having this almost unhealthy obsession with her teacher. But I think with me, the thing I learned is is that, especially with bullies in a movie and stuff, never Mm -hmm. fuck with the kid who's quiet. Never fuck, and never bully with the kid who's quiet, because you don't know how they're going to turn out. Yeah. I was the quiet kid in school, and look how I turned out. Yeah. (laughs) No, really. People would compare me to the girl from Breakfast Club. Aw, baby. Really? Yeah, we... She was adorable, though. No, but, like, in English class one time, we were watching A Breakfast Club, and the, the they would show the, the goth girl, what was her name, Allison? Yeah, I think it was Allison. And one kid turned and looked at me, he's like, Haha, that's you. And I'm like, yeah, and? Fuck that kid. Who the fuck is that kid? You know what? I'm gonna beat him. Anyway. Yeah, be like, she steals shit. Yeah. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> so there's a lot of, like, other anthology stuff that we could talk about too i mean because anthologies have since gone far than just movies 
Mm-hmm. They're in television, too, like TV shows and series. It makes sense for them to be television shows. Yeah. A couple we had mentioned before, but like Goosebumps and Are You Afraid of the Dark are kind of considered anthologies. They helped made it popular, especially for TV shows. In, in their time, like in the late 80s, early 90s. Well, early, yeah, late 80s, early 90s, mid 90s, and then onward. Yeah. Yeah. So those kind of movies. I mean, The Twilight Zone 2 is also considered an earlier te- television anthology. Yeah. You know, I mean, one could argue that too. Into the Dark is also another television anthology series. Isn't Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark is an anthology book? Yeah. Yeah. So that's a good one too. Yeah. And then as we get more into the modern era, we have American Horror Story, which is written, directed, and produced by the great Ryan Murphy. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorite shows, which we can do a whole episode on at a later date. Uh, no, really. No, I don't want to. I know you, you don't want to, but I love it. Well, you do it then. You do your own separate episode without me in it doing that. You don't, How many episodes or seasons of American Horror Story have you watched? I mean, I've watched one or two. I mean, I like the Coven one a lot. Everybody loves the Coven one. Yeah, no, but, um, no offense to those who really love the Coven season, the but... The Vampire one's a good one. That's Hotel. Yeah, Hotel's a good one. Um, 1984, I actually kind of like. I didn't like 1984. Well, no one cares what you like. <laughs> but the thing with me about American Horror Story that I absolutely love about it is its penchant for historical accuracies. Because some of these characters, I mean, they're made-up characters, but they're inspired by actual people. Like, Tate Tate Langdon in Murder House was inspired by one of the boys from the Columbine Massacre. Mm-hmm. Um, Evan Peters plays him. He also plays, uh, what's his face, James Patrick March in Hotel Season. Mm-hmm. He was inspired by H.H. H. Holmes. Ooh. And yeah. I do Twi- that, yeah. Twisty the Clown from Freak Show and Cult were inspired by John Wayne Gacy. And I fucking love that. I love it. And it's just a good, well-written show. It's visuals and everything in between is just so well put together. And I love the writing. I fucking love the writing. It's so fucking good. And it's got a really good cast of actors, like Jessica Lange, Sarah Paulson, Evan Peters... They're all just so fucking good. And Kathy Bates, too. Kathy Bates is just amazing in everything she does. But that's a well-known horror genre anthology TV show. And then we recently had Castle Rock, which is on available on Hulu, which is a Stephen King anthology TV series. Yeah. Right? Yes. Have you watched the second season, Colin? Of what? Castle Rock. Yes, I have. I actually watched not the whole thing, but a few mm-hmm. episodes. But I've also watched behind the scenes of people talking about them, like reviewing the show mm-hmm. and talking about certain parts of it. And I think it's amazing because it's not the main characters of the story that are in this. It's basically like they've showed like family members who are the characters of the original, who are the relatives of the original yeah. characters of the like, story. Like, uh, for example... Uh, Stand by Me. You know the kid who started it, like that kind of like the scrawny kid yeah. who stopped his friend mm-hmm. with the gun. Um, her, his mm-hmm. niece, his grandniece, or something like that, something his niece or whatever, or granddaughter is in it in Castle really? Rock too, and she helps out. Which, which is funny because yeah, she helps out the kid. Which is funny because in the first season, Jack Torrance's niece, who goes by Jackie Torrance, 
is in the first season, remember? Yeah, and I want her to meet mm-hmm. um, the the niece to the, the kid from Stand By yeah. Me. That would be interesting. If they, I know, like, right? could talk together. But they make a lot of references from Stephen King novels and characters. Like they, I know throughout the first one, they kind of mention Cujo a little bit. Yeah, and yes, Sissy, that's right. Sissy Spacek is also in it, and she's well, well known in Stephen King's Carrie. Didn't they have some Indian burial grounds within Castle Rock? Probably, because I haven't seen the second season. I've only watched the first one. Yeah, but I but think it's I got need a to pretty, watch more of that. Yeah. But yeah, it's got a pretty good cast. Bill Skarsgård's in the first season as well. Yes, which his character was so good in yeah, it. Yeah, and some of some characters from. You had Shawshank, uh, Shawshank Prince, uh, Prison in the first one. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's that plays a pretty prominent plot or setting in the first season. And I think the and, yeah, go on, sorry. And they bring in a lot of like characters from Stephen King's novels in it too. Yeah, no, which is that, really good. No, I like, that, but original actors too. Yeah, like I said, I like the I like the different writing styles in this. It's really interesting. And then going forward from Castle Rock, we have that haunting series on Netflix, like The Haunting of Hill House and The Haunting of Bly Manor. I haven't watched those, but I've heard good things about it. It's just me personally, I don't really like those kind of ghost stories. This is why I don't watch all the Conjuring movies Mm -hmm. or the Insidious movies, because I feel like they're generally the same type of movie. You know, like you have a ghost or a demonic presence disturbing your household or a person or whatever. Yeah. And you bring in these paranormal experts to try to fight the problem. And it only ends up either getting worse or doesn't change. And then in the end, you either succumb to the presence that's haunting or or possessing you in your household Mm -hmm. or you live with it. I don't know. It's It's just a weird thing that... I don't like that happens a lot throughout these movies, and it's one of the reasons why I don't watch any of those haunting series mm. on Netflix. That's why I kind of stay away from those. Yeah, I've heard it's got some pretty good plot twists, but they I don't... S- but they seem predictable to me. Yeah, I don't know. I like to watch something that really does have a twist. I mean, you could kind of tell the twist, but then when you think you could tell the twist, something else happens. Yeah. And then you're like, what? <laughs> like like the Mortuary Collection, the plot twists in those yeah. were really good. I think that's why I loved a lot of the 80s um uh anthology movies because a lot of those they were like coming out of the 70s and they were trying to do something different yeah and them you think you would know what they're doing or what's going to happen in those stories but there was a change and you see it and you're just like you know forever shocked yeah so but that's what i like about it because they were doing they were still doing stuff that were that were never done yeah there was still innovation and i think that's another thing too when you watch (sighs) All these different anthology movies throughout the ages is like the different writing styles mm-hmm. as they develop over time. Yeah, that's what I liked about them too. Yeah, yeah, the writing styles is like they, you know, you think you have like the same story, but it's not. Yeah, you know, and like they... it's like like I said, I hate to go back <laughs> to the mortuary collection, but it's got a good concept. Each story is different, yes, but and it's got different messages. But they're all connected because, in one way or another, the victims end up go- like coming through that funeral home, and their story gets added to the collection of the mort uh, the mortician's library, 
And it's just an interesting, fascinating concept. Because if you also think about it too, if you're like me, when I when watching this movie, you almost like wish that someplace like this was actually real so you can go and read all the different stories exactly. that pass through that place. Because that's I'm I'm a big reader and I love a good fucking story. Like so if them. I had something like that within, you know, access, I would want to read them. And I like a good library, like a nice yeah. old fashioned library. Mm-hmm. And like, um, and even half the stories I've read and half the stories I haven't, I would still love a big huge library like that. Mm-hmm. And so if we ever get a fucking mansion, which I don't know if that's ever going to happen, but I would love that. The house, love, the house that we saw in the movie, I kind of yeah. wanted that, like my ideal mansion yeah. house. Well, the something house, a little bigger. The house in that movie is fucking gorgeous. Yeah, but but then again, my ideal house or mansion I always wanted was a a castle, like a castle mixed with a house. Yeah, you know, and just I think I I love stuff like that, especially the stone walls and everything. Mm-hmm. Those are like my favorite kind of places. I know they're so fucking cool. You ever been? Well, you've never been to Transylvania. I was gonna ask no. you. You ever been to Transylvania? <laughs> no. You ever seen the uh, castles over there? They're no, they're gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. But I like it. I liked Mortuary Collection. And again, yeah. you guys should check it out. It's on Shudder. And if, but I and, love it. And all you I guys so out there, especially out in outside the U.S., if you love us, if you really, really love us, for one of these years, for our birthday or Christmas, whatever, please get us a castle. Like, no. Or a house. <laughs> no. Or a castle house. So <laughs> what kind of, you know, before we wrap this up, what what's your overall thought on anthologies? I think my overall thought of anthologies is that their 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 genius writing is that you know you could write one story but it's kind of cool when you can have yeah. one story and then another and then another and they all kind of either go together or they can be in different styles in different ways but then in mm-hmm. the end they all culminate together yeah i like anthologies like i you know like i mentioned for the same reason that i think a lot of people do and it's the fact that you know writing styles are different Especially like if if you get a bunch of different actors as opposed to one actor and one director mm-hmm. writing these stories, you get a different sense of writing styles and how they tell a story. And it's definitely going to be like a game changer in terms of horror movies in general. Kind of like how Paranormal Activity or uh, the Blair Witch Project kind of changed the the concept of found footage cinematography. Anthologies are probably going to change the way that we absorb or take in horror stories. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think the more the more different types of writing you have, the more it's going to appeal to different audiences. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what people should really try to focus on when they write horror movies or any kind of horror novel is like branching out of what you're normally writing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's why I think that's why a lot of people like Stephen King. Because he doesn't just pick one specific type of horror story and sticks with it. He creates a bunch of different types of stories that appeal to broader audiences. Like, you know, he didn't just write it and then stuck with it and made multiple different versions of it. No. He had Pet Cemetery. He had Cujo. He had Salem's Lot. He had a bunch of different stories that appealed to a, a... huge broader audience he basically had his own universe that they can all like be together in one yeah 
And that's the thing I like about Stephen King is that not only he can do creep show, but he can take all of his characters from all of his books that are come from different backgrounds, and they can all be in the same universe together. Yeah, you and know? when when it when the time comes for Trick or Treat two to come out, I'm definitely going to be looking forward to that. Me too. I'm going to be so excited when that movie comes out. <laughs> I love I love Trick or Treat. Yeah, and Trick or Treat loves you too. Yes. Actually, it's funny and I do have a tattoo of Sam I know. on me. I want to get a Trick or Treat tattoo. I think I'm going to get the lollipop. This, I should I should have got the lollipop. But this one definitely needs to be touched up. I'll, I'll Especially hit, on the lollipop. I'll hit up my buddy so it's fine. Yeah. But anyway, so yeah, so that will continues I guess our, that finishes or our, wraps up. Thank you. That finishes and wraps up our episode of the Abbey Normal Podcasts episode. I hope you guys enjoy this episode as much as we talked about it. Mm-hmm. And also, we're going to hear from our sponsor over here or where you can go and listen to us. So you can follow us on social media platforms such as Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter under the Abbey Normal Podcasts page name. And... You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor. I think, what was the other one? Podcast Addict? Yeah, Podcast Addict. Google Podcasts we're also available on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a bunch of different others. Yeah, so, we're, we're on a bunch of shit that I even, didn't even know about. Yeah, let me see if I can pull up the list. Yeah, and also, I want to play a little game where we can guess which continent's going to like us next. I'm kind of guessing for myself, I would like to see... Austria. Be the, Austria. Yeah, I would like to see Austria be the next one. That's interesting. But what so, we, but, Spotify, yeah. Apple Podcasts, Podcast Addict, Overcast, and Anchor. There are other platforms we're on, too. So, wherever you listen to your podcast, just look up Abby Normal Podcast. That's A-B-B-Y, Normal mm-hmm. Podcast. And if we're on there, give us a listen. Okay. Yeah. And also, what would your guess be for the next continent to listen to us, if you had to pick one? Um, Come on, there's a bunch of them. I know, there are so many. But just shoot. Just pick one that you think will probably be the next one. So we're, we've got Ireland, Germany, the UK. We've got like 10 continents. We've got Switzerland, yeah. Turkey, and the Netherlands. Mm-hmm. I feel like the next, yeah, the next country is probably going to be in Europe. My, that's my guess. I don't know where specifically... Can you name one? It's a toss-up between Italy or Spain. Oh, okay. You know, yeah, actually, can I take mine back? I mean, Austria would be really cool to be the next one, but mm-hmm. I think I know which one that I would like. What? Norway. Norway. Yeah. Hmm. Norway would be pretty interesting. If they could actually listen to us over there and actually like what we're talking about. And plus, you know what? Norway had some mythical type of eerie stuff going on over yeah. there in folklore. Plus, it was come from Norse mythology. Yeah. I love Norse mythology, and I love Thor, so thank you, Norway. Okay. So, anyway, the point is, thank you all for listening to us. Yeah, and thank you all for, in the if you've listened to us in the past year, for sticking with us for this long. And we hope you can, you know, continue to listen to our show, and hope you enjoy the further content we put out for 2021. Yep, and uh, stick to stick stick to, ne- to the next episode. I can't talk <laughs> yeah. for episode two. But anyway, this has been the Abbey Normal Podcast. I am your host, Colin Bourne. And I'm Aaliyah. Signing off saying, we love anthologies. Woo! Waha!